0: You're listening to Shep Life with 1FM's Terry Cowley.
1: Welcome to the microphone, Leanne Raditzis.
0: Hi Terry, and hi to all the listeners out there
1: today. (laughs) How are you? Excellent. Oh, thank you so much for enjoying to be my victim, I mean subject today. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was very keen to have you on because I know you're an absolute community. You're an absolute champion for our community. So thank you for that.
0: Thanks, Terry. It doesn't feel like that with this past <laughs> year when none of us have been able to do a lot of our volunteering yep. work that we usually would um, undertake in, but um, yep.
1: yeah, I cast my mind back and it has been an interesting um, journey. Tricky, <laughs> tricky uh, year for all of Circus us, so you're certainly yeah. not alone there. So maybe if we start at the beginning and you just need to keep on the mic like that. Yep. Were you Were you born locally?
0: Uh, Sure was. I was born at um, GV Base Hospital um, in 1975. um, Oh, you young thing. Yeah, delivered by Dr. Frank Harder, who um, was a GP that delivered, and that was very common back then. Mm -hmm. And um,
1: yes, I sure was. What sort of a family were you born into, or what number were
0: you? Uh, I was number three Um, mum and dad got married at 18 and had three children by 21 so I was um, yeah number three and um, so I have a brother that's a year older and a sister that's two and a bit years older so we were you know yeah pretty um, close a very close group
1: and what did your parents do
0: um, so mum and dad um, at that time were running with their family the Shepperton Hotel. Um, so back in the day in the old... Um, a lot of people might remember out there the Tramps Disco. Um, so, Was that, was that 80s? Uh, well, so the <clears throat> 70s through to 79, they were running... Um, Tramps, Tramps, Tramps Disco. They of course,
1: I should... Of course, Disco. 70s, of yes, course. Yes,
0: back in the 70s. So um, back in... Um, the the hotel, the Shep Hotel, um, was bought by the family in 1959. Wow. Uh, my granddad, Spiro, who migrated from Greece um, in 1939, um, they worked in orchards mostly, but in 1959 made the big decision to buy the and Hotel. Um, they might have only been the second owners of that hotel in that time frame or the third possibly. Um, and so Spiro, which was my granddad, my mm-hmm. great-granddad, he had two sons, Nick, Peter and Nick, Peter was my granddad. Had to be a Nick in there, sorry. Yeah, Nick and the other brother, Nick. <laughs> and um, and they had two sons each, so that was a good was group to in run a club.
1: Was there another uh, kid? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a Chris, a John, a Tom and a Vassal. <laughs> um, so they all ran the Shepparton Hotel for many years. And so in the 70s, yeah, that um, really ramped it up. And the So,
1: so you have a lot of memories of that time as oh, a kid at absolutely. the Shep Hotel? Because it's, um, it's tragic to think of it now. We're talking about that hulk in the middle of town right now, Sadly, right?
0: Sadly, yes. Yeah. And it was um, the bustling centre of town for the first... Um, you know, half century, um, and I got to tell sh-
1: you, I never had the pleasure of going in there. That's really because sad. Um, my husband came down here for a, a job interview. Right. Um, we were living in Sydney at the time, and at that co- that week coincided with the bur- with the big fire. Wow. So we've we've never had the pleasure of walking in the doors of the Shep Hotel. Oh
0: wow! Well, it was a mag- it's a you know it's a magnificent um, hotel. It was, and um, it was the center of town. It was, as you can imagine, opposite the police station and the courthouse. So it's where all the information was bought and sold and everyone knew everything that was going on Um, back in the day um, you know there was two bars there was a white collar bar um, and the blue collar bar like the public and and the
1: private yes
0: yeah yeah. and so you had um, you know you had it was there was your very distinguished and um, your silver table service and all you know your high-end service and then there was anyone and everyone that was welcome also to come in and um, catch up with mates and have a drink and find out what's going on in town way before social media. and yeah, of course <laughs> you wouldn't you know wouldn't know much about much unless you dropped into the local pub. So, um,
1: so when did your parents, well, when did your family sell it? So they
0: moved on in '79. Um, then they ran the over Bought and ran the Overlander for a few years, and then in '81 they moved to Melbourne for work purposes, and I was. There, um, then on my sister and brother and I were uh, predominantly raised by my grandparents and mum and dad came home most weekends. Yeah. Okay that's an unusual setup. Very unusual setup. So How it did six, it work? Yeah very, very traumatic at the time like for a six or seven year old six year old um, you know to watch mum and dad leave every Sunday night um, you just couldn't wait for Friday night for them to get home again but um, but my sister stepped into mothering role, although she was only two and a half years older than me or two and a bit years older. Um, so no, it was, um, it was, we were very lucky. My grandparents were amazing people and no, they, they loved us. probably weren't very
1: old either. I mean, if your parents were so young.
0: Yes. Yeah. They were, um, probably in their fifties, I imagine. S- exceedingly young then. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, um, yeah, so, and they were amazing. They lo- loved us to death and, you know, looked after us and fed us and. Of course. <laughs> (laughs) And you stayed? Yes. Have you all stayed?
1: I know, your sister, I think your sister's here. My sister's here, yeah, yeah. my
0: sister and I stayed, my brother moved on, Um, but um, we, yeah, I love Shep, I love travelling and stuff, but when I come back to Shep, when I come down Wyndham Street, I just feel, you know, so much at home, yeah, love it, love Shep so much. Now,
1: your parents got married very young, as you said, I think you did the same, didn't you? Yes, I was 18 when I got married, yes. That's super young for your generation.
0: It is, but it was a cultural norm for a Greek. Greek Macedonian is my cultural heritage. Um, So it was a cultural norm back then. So you were... <clears throat> for want of a better word, indoctrinated to believe that marriage um, and children was your obligation. Calling, yeah, yeah. Your calling. Yeah, you're um, calling. Yeah. Which I was more than happy. I really couldn't wait because I'd had a sort of disjointed family life with mum and dad not being there all the time. I couldn't wait to be the mum of the home and recreate, your family. recreate a family.
1: That was Whitney Houston greatest love of all. We're on the back story with Leanne Raditzis. So Leanne, why did you choose that lovely Whitney Houston song? Well
0: Terry, I just really love that song. Um, It's an 80s song. Whitney Houston, obviously it was um, predominant in the 80s, did a lot of great music. But that song itself, I always say to the kids, when I die, play that at my funeral because (laughs) it's um, it's a, a song of hope. It's a song of perspective um it's a song that gives you the opportunity to reflect and um and just give yourself some permission to be yourself um embrace your inner child which if we could all do you know live on this planet for 80 something or 90 years or even 100 years if we're lucky enough to still embrace our inner child um it it also um is an extension of um, some health conditions um, that, so I when I told you I came into the world in 1975, 31st of December, which is New Year's Eve, I'm sure you'll um, pick that up. Yes. <laughs> um, so I was born with diaphragmatic hernia and, um, and diaphragmatic hernia is um, an issue that you have a hole in your diaphragm and your diaphragm is the muscle that enables us to breathe and separates our chest um, from our abdominal cavity. So that
1: doesn't sound good.
0: No, it doesn't. And so back in 75, 90% of children would die and the 10% that would survive would usually go and have ongoing health conditions and disability. So to survive that in 1975, I was flown to the Royal Children's Hospital. where From Shepparton? From Shep. So, yep, from the GV base where I was born. Um, so um, a plane came in and it was late 11 something on New Year's Eve and there was no lights on the runway so flares had to be um, had to be laid out on the runway and so Shepparton got some lovely New Year's Eve fireworks in 1975. <laughs> thanks, in your to honour. My, yeah thanks to my um, exciting entrance into the world and so I was flown to the Royal Children's and so Dr Nate Myers um, did a, a groundbreaking operation on me at that time
1: and so, so you were uh, literally a newborn.
0: Yeah, just, it, just as a newborn, mm-hmm. basically cut front to back, gutted like a fish, opened <gasps> up, <laughs> sewed up the diaphragm, pushed everything back where it was meant to be, sewed me back up again, and off we went. So I was in um, in in the Royal Children's for three or four months. I didn't wow. see my mum. My mum couldn't come. She had the other two children to tend to and and work and other priorities and um, that she had to um, responsibilities. So, um, yeah, so I was very lucky to survive. Even today, um, I looked up some stats, and so 50% of children born today. Um,
1: with that condition
0: with with diaphragmatic mm-hmm. hernia pass away so do not survive wow. 12 months and um and the other 50 percent often yeah can go on still to have some ongoing conditions but
1: so and you haven't had any ongoing issues with it no i've been fairly lucky um
0: i recently had my gallbladder removed so other health issues but um the surgeon that went in to remove the gallbladder um you know he understood my history and he said i w- he was amazed he said when he got in there he said he would have absolutely never been able to tell that <laughs> when i he was, got in there. <laughs> yeah, in there i've got a photo of it a photo of the inside of my wow he's he was an amazing yeah, so um yeah so dr um nate myers was was a magician so he fixed it all up and off i went so i've got 45 years under my belt so thank you dr
1: myers and shepherd and thank you yeah. for that uh now uh, not so much a, a medical condition but something you've been quite public about mm-hmm. is your battle with alopecia
0: yeah, so um, I've had alopecia, and again, alopecia is a, a fairly common issue that um, people don't talk about, but might have. But usually, you know, people aren't uncomf- uncomfortable discussing it. But two percent of the population, in fact, have alopecia. Better explain what it is. Um, so, alopecia. There are three um, different levels of alopecia. So, alopecia areata is where your hair falls out, and it can fall out in a patch. Um, alopecia totalis is where you go completely bald and every hair on your head falls out, then it can progress to alopecia universalis in a small percentage of people where every hair on your body would fall, does fall out. I guess the
1: other obvious thing to say at this point too is um, it seems it's, a, it's something rightly or wrongly that's associated with men and seems to be sort of more socially acceptable with men. But a woman without hair is, is a bit more um, confronting for people, isn't it?
0: absolutely very confronting um to see a bald woman is shocking um and to that to look in the mirror and that bald woman being yourself it's an out-of-body experience you you just can't relate you don't recognize the person in the mirror how long did it take you to lose all your hair uh, it So I've had it since I was 15 as areata in small patches, but in 2012 it progressed and from 2000 to totalis. So in it, from about 2012, 2015, I lost every hair on my head um, and I needed to start wearing a wig at the, during that period.
1: But I, I knew you then and I didn't know because you must have had some fabulous wigs.
0: Yes, yeah, no, you can absolutely. We're very lucky in this day and age. Um, This is actually a very good time, if any, to have um, this type of condition because there are amazing wig shops and um, synthetic wigs, human hair wigs, all sorts of um, wigs available, but they are very expensive. So just while I'm at it, if I just can mention um, the Australian... um, Alopecia Ariata Foundation have an, an awareness week. so um, so that is from the 14th to the 22nd of November. Oh, just coming up. it's coming up next mm. month. And so for more info, you can jump on their website, aaf.org.au. There are ways you can get involved. You can School can have a crazy hair day. Um, that's on Friday, the 20th of November. There's a flyer online that you can download. Um, you can donate your hair for Wigs for Kids program. Wow. Um, so because there is, a, like I said, 2% of, the, of um, the population deal with this.
1: So so that's a, that's a fundraiser, but it's also an awareness building isn't it? Absolutely. It's not, it's not such a weird thing it does happen. Exactly. But uh, you're not wearing a wig anymore are you? No so I'm what not happened? Terry, which
0: is great news. Um, so I was a determined person and um, I came to terms with being bald but I wasn't happy. So what I did is I did a fair bit of research and so what I found out after my research is there is an amazing class of medic- medications that you can now get um, which are for autoimmune conditions and they're called JAK inhibitors. Um, they're more commonly available for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriasis, but alopecia is something that they found out during a clinical trial, um, subsequently helped that condition as well. So like I, a side effect,
1: just a happy side effect?
0: Yes. Well, yeah, it's, it's another um, way to have tackled it. And so this person had psoriasis and they were um, in a clinical trial for the psoriasis. Um, the psoriasis didn't get hundred percent better, but their hair completely regrew. So wow. they had, but so autoimmune conditions can um, quite often travel in numbers. So you could have more than one autoimmune condition. Um, so again, yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, um, alopecia, psoriasis, other skin conditions um, like vitiligo, those sorts of things are all autoimmune. And so these JAK inhibitors, um, they um, shut off the message, the faulty message. So basically, your immune system attacks itself sends a faulty message to the hair follicle and then um, so it attacks the hair follicle, which isn't a foreign um, follicle, but it thinks it is, so Mm -hmm. it attacks it. So it shuts the message off and that's why it took about nine months to completely regrow my head of hair.
1: But you Um, must have been um, absolutely thrilled. Oh, look, it's exciting. I mean, you must have thought that would never happen.
0: Uh, I I believed it, it could so that 's why I was so doggedly determined to do the research, because I believed in my heart of hearts there was there would be an elk if we can put someone on the moon, surely we can regrow a few hair follicles
1: <laughs> and you and you 've got a beautiful head of hair now right down to your shoulders
0: I do, and I stopped my medication in March this year um, and i 'm not taking any medication and i 've maintained ninety five percent of my hair so that's an even better news story. So, I was on um, the Jack inhibitor for three years. I'm on the Sinclair Dermatology have um, a brochure, and I'm their poster girl. Um, <laughs> Good I on you. Because I was the brave one that did the research, found out about wow. it, and you've
1: got this. I guess that's a bit of a lesson in taking responsibility for your own health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Don't wait for someone win-win. else to fix
1: it for you. Mm. So, um, we talked about you getting married young, and you've got uh, two daughters. Yep. And they're all grown up now. That's, yep. that's one of the lovely benefits of getting married young and having children young is that you're now at your relatively young age of 45 and you, you're not running around after kids like people like me who are still doing it. <laughs> so you've got a fair degree of freedom.
0: Yes, I do have a fair degree of freedom. That's not always the case. A forty-five-year-old that had kids young could often have grandkids running around right now.
1: <laughs> yes, well, I'm sure that that will come, but we don't need to rush these things, do oh, definitely we? Definitely not. Okay. So you've you've done a lot of work over the years with um, Shepherd and Festival. I believe you're a life member and patron.
0: Uh, yes, I'm a patron of the Shepperton Festival. Um, I s- w- really loved the time I spent um, with e- on the board of the festival. I was treasurer for a few years and um, really was e- so excited to be a part of it and um, really excited to see all the work and in- that's going on. Uh, so next year, I think it's the 25th year of the festival, <clears throat> so that's very exciting. Uh, so many great people involved with the festival. Uh, the festival directorate, the time was roz abercrombie she she was amazing handed the reins on great to see jamie lee doing an amazing job now in the challenges that we're facing but uh, having that vision is so important and the vision that you can bring art culture um you know dreams uh, you know arts really someone's something that someone's dreamed up whether it be um theater music um visual art all of that is just, you know, honouring and valuing people's dreams. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And so, Jamie uh, does that very well, I must say. Yes. Now we are, oh, time, as I said to you, this hour will go so fast, and so it has done. Now you are the ele- and one, a, an electorate officer. Oh, bleh, I'll start that again. It's not easy. Obviously, needed another coffee this morning. An electorate officer for the member independent member for Shepherd and Susanna Sheed, that's your job, but you've done a lot of volunteering in the community. Let's touch on some of those roles. Yes,
0: I sure have. Um, so over the years, um, we, there are different volunteer roles that I've um, got involved with. And speaking of Tracy Chapman and Revolutions, um, my love for volunteering comes from like-minded people getting together and wanting better. Uh, Women's Charter Alliance, Greater Shepparton Women's Charter Alliance, is something um, that was where Terry and I actually met um, quite a few years back. But I've met so many amazing women on that committee uh, just wanting to improve opportunities and outcomes for women where possible. Um, and the other volunteering roles I've been involved with uh, the Heritage Advisory Committee with Greater Shepparton City Council that was a very interesting opportunity that I had to learn a lot about heritage and, and the res- gain further respect for the heritage in our region CWA bunch of women revolutions always um, <laughs> you know doing everything they can getting together supporting each other and um, raising money f- for country women um, and Baking from the Heart, so I've been involved with that since its inception back in 2013. Um, so we do some baking deliveries. We haven't, unfortunately, this year it's been um, on the back burner, but we do baking deliveries on a six weekly basis to the hospice patients who choose to participate. And so a gr- group of um, passionate women do their baking, come together, drop it off and um, and that's um, another activity that I've really loved being involved with. Shepparton Festival, as we mentioned earlier, like-minded people with a love of arts and a love of Shepparton. I mean, what greater loves could you have? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was also um, on the Golden Valley Health uh, Community Advisory Group for the GV Health Redevelopment. And that um, group was formed prior to the funding being provided for the redevelopment and uh, we played a part in the early days and uh, assisted with the process of um, raising awareness, uh, opening discussions within the community about
1: the need. So what are you thinking seeing it go up now?
0: Oh look, it's just been amazing. Um, we are so lucky to have a facility like that. Um, you know, back to my um, journey with diaphragmatic hernia. Mum and dad at the time, when they realised this baby's going to die if we don't get her to a hospital as soon as possible, um, that lack of resources, the lack of um, facilities, you know, is a life and death issue and Mm. so absolutely um so when you realize that the community needs to come together and demand better and we do deserve better um and you know the political will to make it happen and susanna certainly provided that um we've been so lucky so back when the children's ward back in uh, 1988 uh, when they kicked off a um, campaign for the ward for the appeal for the children's ward. Mum and Dad back then donated... um, They were in an opportunity... They had the opportunity to donate $250,000 towards that appeal. Um, And when my life was saved, you know, they said, when we get an opportunity, we want to, um, you know, repay that that miracle within the community to make sure all children have access to the resources required to give them the best start in life and... um, so health is obviously, you know, the overarching tool required for us to live productive lives. So
1: yeah, don't have much without it, do we?
0: Absolutely.
1: So it's fantastic that they were able to do that. What a wonderful thing. Now, uh, before I let you go, and we are running out of time, um, it's council election time. You stood for the council in 2012?
0: Yes, unsuccessfully. I got 826 votes from memory and I thank every one of those 826 people that put my name first. I absolutely appreciated I that. Having <laughs> a
1: look back at that uh, that field, um, what a bizarre field. I mean, whatever you think about who's standing for the council this time, I think we can all conclude they're, they're real people. Yes, the um, uh, quality
0: know, of field is magnificent. I'm so pleased. Yeah,
1: I mean, and, and, and as I say, they're real people standing for themselves pretty much. Or They've obviously got interests, vested interests, of course, as we all do, but they are genuine candidates. Yes. Um, back when you stood, what a bizarre field. There was all sorts of strange people it involved.
0: It was ridiculous, Terry, and there was a review off the back of that election yes. in 2012 and I, I made s- a submission to I that review. I saw that, yep.
1: <laughs> about, it, um, about essentially about dummy candidates. Absolutely. Mm. The, the
0: system was... Ridiculous, And it was um, not adequate and it wasn't conducive to a good democracy. Um, And democracy is the foundation of society. So we need to have faith in our democracy and that it's there to provide everyone an opportunity to be represented around a table, not people that game the system. Um, so So, So you're
1: feeling like some of those concerns have been addressed now?
0: Oh, absolutely. Even the magnificent improvement of not having to have a preference list. Yes. Back when I ran, you needed to run in your ballot pack, you would put your preference list. So now we're in, obviously, this system encourages people to make that decision for themselves. Yes. Put your one where you're comfortable to put it and put your two and every subsequent number after that. uh, Where, you know, you feel it should be, not mindlessly following.
1: Yeah, just, uh, you know, cutting out those backdoor deals sort of thing. Exactly. Well, you made a difference.
0: Well a lot of people made a difference (laughs) which is great a collective voice back to Tracy Chapman's revolution a collective voice wanting better and so that was yeah it's great to see very excited um, for this field.
1: Uh, As I said you made a difference and that's only one of the many areas in which you have made a difference Leanne. I certainly made a difference to me meeting you and I thank you very much for joining me today. What, uh, What are you looking forward to?
0: Oh, goodness me. Um, You've got 20 seconds. So uh, (laughs) there's a lot to do in the next 50 years, Terry. I don't have enough time to to lay it out.
1: (laughs) Well, perhaps, uh, first of all, shaking off the shackles of COVID-19 would be a good start, wouldn't it? Excellent. (laughs) Okay. Thanks again for joining us, Leanne. Have a wonderful long weekend. Thanks for your time today. And thank you, dear listener. I'll talk to you next week.
0: You've been listening to the Shep Life Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, find it on the 1FM Facebook page, or search Shep Life Group on Facebook. Once approved, you'll be kept up to date with links to future shows. If you'd like to hear the show live, you can tune it to 98.5 on your radio or stream through fm985.com.au or the TuneIn app on your Android or iOS device. Friday mornings from 9am to midday.